HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Today's program is brought to you by Wisconsin Cheese. Did you know that Wisconsin leads the nation in the production of specialty cheeses, accounting for 47% of the total? To learn more, visit wisconsincheese.com. Hey, thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network. This is Katie, HRN Executive Director, and I'm so excited to share with you our coverage from the Charleston Wine and Food Festival. We are here live today at Charleston Wine and Food. Join us as we talk all things food. Come to Charleston, eat some seafood. Eat all of the seafood. Chicken fried chicken with chorizo steak and salsa verde mashed potatoes. So quintessentially like Southern fare at its finest. And have important conversations. We're also talking about professional women in restaurants and how underrepresented they are. People of color in restaurants and how they're not talked about. We get real with Food Network's Manit Chohan. Balance is BS. Uh, I, I was yeah. I was told that uh, I wasn't going to be bleeped out. And find out about raising sugarcane with Chef Sean Brock. It's like being Indiana Jones or something. You never know what you're going to find. You'll come away inspired by the power of food and the food scene in Charleston. Here's Dr. Jessica B. Harris. Food is constantly in flux. Food is always moving. Food is the only real lingua franca that we have that allows us to connect with other folks. So tune in to Heritage Radio Network on tour at heritageradionetwork.org or wherever you get your podcasts. You can't go wrong. Welcome to the Grape Nation, your weekly wine journey. Our guest is Yannick Benjamin, sommelier and co-founder of Wheeling Forward. We'll talk to Yannick about being a psalm. We'll talk some wine, talk about Wheeling Forward and a lot more. We'll taste a very special Bordeaux. I'm not going to tell you what it is for our weekly wine sip. I'm your host, Sam Ben Ruby. Stay with us for the Grape Nation on the Heritage Radio Network. We bring wine to the people. Yannick Benjamin was born and bred in New York City to French parents. He visited Bordeaux when he was 13 and got the wine bug early. True. That's true. 
He started in hospitality at a young age, working his way through places like Le Cirque, Jean-Georges, Atlas, and eventually becoming a psalm at Felidia in New York City. In 2003, Yannick experienced the life-changing event that would set a different course in his life. Yannick is an advanced sommelier working at the University Club. He appeared on the Esquire TV series Uncorked and is the co-founder and director of development of Wheeling Forward. Yannick has also competed in eight marathons, and we'll talk about that a little. Welcome to the Great Nation, Yannick. Thank you for having me. An honor. Um, I've been meaning to get you on for a while because I think there's a lot of good stories here, and hopefully we can get through everything. But I think the best way to start the show, to frame it for the listener, is give us a little background on your journey in life and wine. This is a wine show. That ultimately got you to your SOM gig. You're working at University Club, and you're very active um, at Wheeling Forward. That's correct. So let's start pretty much at the beginning, whiz through that, and when we get to the juicy stuff, we'll get to the details. Okay, I mean... uh I think from an early age, even before I was 13, you know, I mean, you know, when you raised your hand and, you know, I had the nun or the priest, I went to Sacred Heart School on 51st Street and 10th Avenue, and they'd ask you what you did for a living. Most people would say a doctor or I'm going to be president of the United States. Or, and I said, hey, I just want to be a bartender. <laughs> and the reason why for that, it was I was a fanatic of that show, Cheers. And I love that whole atmosphere and I love being around people. And I said, well, this guy has like the perfect life, you know, he's just like, right, he's a center of attention. And so on top of that, between my father, my two uncles, my cousin, they all had um, careers in the restaurant business. It was just natural that I just kind of decided you to go. You were around it. I was just surrounded by it. I mean, Sunday nights, we had big dinners with our uncles, with our family, and that's what they talked about. That's what they gossiped about amongst themselves, you know? And so it just seemed so intriguing. That's great. So you had a lot of people come on and they didn't even have a glass of wine until they were like 17. So what happened? So how do you pursue that passion? You know, I was fortunate because my mom's from Bordeaux, my dad's from Brittany up north, and I spent my summers in France. So I I was very, very lucky for that. Um, And I'd spend at least a good month in Bordeaux, and you're just surrounded by vines and vines. I mean, 80% of the the land is is under vines. It's It's incredible in the, the region of Bordeaux. And I just remember going to Chateau G School um, and going there in Margot and just kind of like loving the smell, the atmosphere and the energy. And I said, well, this is something I can see myself doing even at that young Why age. Why that vineyard? I mean, you know, Bordeaux's I, chock full of you yeah, know, regions. Sure. And why that one? Um, it was beautiful. Um, it just was beautifully set up. There was, I don't know. I don't really know if there's any okay. true explanation, but it just kind of hit me. But I didn't know at that time. I mean, I didn't even know really that a sommelier existed, meaning that even during my father's time when he worked at La, La Grenouille and Lutece and all these restaurants, you know, the, 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 the man of the house or the person of the house was the maitre d'. That's, that was the hot shot. Right. That was today's sommelier. Today's maitre d' now is just like a host or a hostess, you know, some college Different kid. times. Different you're times. talking about two of the greatest French restaurants in That's New correct. York. That's correct. Exactly. La Grenouille is still there. Lutece, uh, Andre, yeah. Salton are closed years exactly, ago. Exactly, exactly. But- you know, there are more sommeliers in one <laughs> restaurant now than That's there true. were when your dad was working. That's right. All right. So it's time for you to sort of get out of school and pursue a career. So mm-hmm. you're definitely going to go into hospitality. First job related to this. My first job really was in high school at Bryant Park Row. Okay. Um, I started working there. I was working basically as a receiver, 
back of the house, kind of a porter receiver, and I just loved it. I mean, it was a busy, vibrant restaurant. It had just opened up, and I was working along with, uh, you know, uh, Christian Pascal, who now owns the uh, Huntfish Club. And so we worked together, and I just loved the energy of it all. And I was like, this is it. This is what I want to do. My dad hated it because he thought I was going to hate the job and then hopefully stick, you know, with going to school and then eventually go into law or something like that or right, politics. Right. Like, like, it, like a normal path. Yeah, like a normal path, exactly. Right. But instead, I caught the bug. And then I still, you know, I went to college for a little bit. Where did you go to school? I went to Baruch for a second. Okay. Um, got into a lot of trouble. And then my dad basically grabbed me by, by my ear and he what said- What does that mean, a lot of trouble? <laughs> what, did you get busted or what? I got into trouble. I was, I was, I was you know, I mean, uh, I grew right. up during a, a different time. We'll, we'll leave it at yeah, that. I wasn't welcome back at Baruch anymore. Okay. <laughs> so you could say you went to college. Yeah, we like, won't talk about whether you finished I ended up finishing college, but- <laughs> Okay. All right. So that means now it's time to figure out what you're going to do. You right. Know, so- Exactly. My dad grabbed me by my ear and he said, Le Cirque 2000 is opening up at the Palace Hotel. You're going to go work there. And I said, well, how am I going to get a job there? I've only worked at these kind of like simple bistros. I mean, I had decent restaurant experience. And uh, I interviewed actually in Serial as a favor to my dad, took me in. And he basically told me, I'm going to hire you, but I'm going to treat you like I do with my sons. I'm going to slap you in the back of the head and make you realize what a dumb decision you guys are, are all making. And that's how it happened. And that, that was, was a good thing, though. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Because you had this thick skin for that. Oh, absolutely. You for needed sure. a little. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, for sure. So how long were you there? Close to two years. I mean, I, I did the opening. You were a there. kid, right? Yeah, I was uh, 19 years old. Jesus. It was unbelievable. And it was during this time of uh, decadence. I mean, and people were just opening up bottles like nothing. People were spending Wall money. Was yeah, it was rocking. It was stuff. rocking and rolling. Yeah, right. absolutely. It was incredible. So after a couple of years, you decide what time to move on. Or? Yeah, I, I wanted to be challenged. I, I mean, my 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 biggest fear in life is to be complacent, and I could start feel. I started feeling that I was being complacent. You know, money was very good at that time. I mean, you know, nineteen years old, I was still living with my parents right down the block in Midtown Manhattan. That's right. I mean, I had the most incredible <laughs> life. You know, but I knew that it was time to move on. And so, a captain that I was working alongside with was becoming the wine director. And slash manager at Oceana, which was on 54th and Madison at that time. It was like in a townhouse. Exactly. That's correct. And he said, why don't you come work with me? And I was like, well, you know, that's good. Yeah, I got to get out of my comfort zone. You know, I never, I always feel like whenever I'm in my comfort zone, it's time to get out. And so uh, I went over there and I spent a good amount of time there. And I learned, I mean, it was a different world at Oceana than it was at Le Cirque. Um, Le yeah. Cirque, Cirque, First of all, it was seafood centric. That's right. Exactly. Le Cirque was French. Wine list was important. Exactly. And also... Le Cirque was just, it was glitz, it was glamour. Oceana was definitely much more discreet, but they took their service much more serious. I mean, I mean, Paul McLaughlin, who I worked for at that time, he taught me everything <clears throat> about service. I owe a lot to that man. Incredible person. So you stayed there how long? Oh, I didn't stay there too long. It was just under a year when okay. I took the job at John George because I wanted to start jumping around. I wanted to just learn different philosophies, you know? And I... I wanted to. My my biggest regret in life was never going out to France and working for some you know restaurants out there. Um, but anyway, I went to go work at John George, and it was just you know I, I didn't really want to leave Oceana, but the position opened up at John George, and I wanted to go there, and I stayed there for a little while, and uh, it was a good experience too. Not as good as what I had at Oceana, but I was also at a different frame of mind. I was a little bit burnt out. It was also bigger, more exactly. You know, reputation was huge. Then. Oh, absolutely, for sure. So it was a good thing that way. Oh, absolutely. 
So you do John George, and then you keep moving. What happens? And then I said, well, I want to work for. I mean, I worked more for Eurocentric restaurants, right. and I wanted to work for like kind of like a, like like a Gramercy Tavern or even a Gotham Bar and Grill, those type of places. Instead, I, I uh, one of the chefs that or sous chefs that worked at John George got the job to work for Paul Liebrin at Atlas, right. and he said, why don't you come over there? You know. And I thought they were doing some exciting things. They just got this incredible review from uh, the time was uh, Bob Grimes or Bill Grimes, I think it was. Uh, Grimes. Grimes. Yeah. Um, the, the, what was know, his first name? The, I think it was Bill Grimes. Yeah. I'm anyway. not sure. But he was in love with Paul Lieberman, wrote this glowing three-star review. Um, Atlas got three stars? Yeah, they got three stars. Jesus. And he was the youngest chef to, to get that Paul Lieberman. So I went worked there, and I spent a year and a half over there. It's a hot spot then. It was. I mean, it, it went through a time where it started to slow down, unfortunately. I mean, it was... You know, it was he was definitely ahead of his time with all this molecular cuisine and all that, and it, it was pretty wacky. It was definitely very unique for me, for sure. People didn't know what was going on. No, absolutely not. So you leave there, and if I have it right, do you go to Felidia after that, or was no, there something in between? No, right next door, um, the Ritz-Carlton Hotel was opening up. Right. And Gabriel Kreuter, who is a number two at John George, was going to be the chef. To, uh, head was this the Ritz on Central Park South? That's right. right. That's correct. And okay. he was going to be the head chef there, and I had kept in touch, and I said, well, I got to go work for this guy. This guy's incredible. Right. And then a master sommelier, William Schur, who still is my mentor and uh, really just an amazing guy who lives in California now got the position as a wine director and said, well, this is perfect. He can be my mentor if I do get this job. And so just everything. And at this point, I was close to 23, 24, and I was ready to settle down. I had done, I built my resume, and now I wanted to stick around and just kind of work my way up. Now, when you got to the Ritz, were you doing wine or you were? I was, yeah. Okay. So um, I was working... As were a you on the floor doing wine? I started technically? off. Yeah, yeah. I was. I was. Uh, I started off as a waiter. Okay. You know, and then I started working as an assistant. You know, and then on my days off, that's when I got the job at Felidia because I wanted to learn ah. about Italian wine. So I was basically working every every day, um, which was nuts. So I had no. I had no social life. I wasn't dating. It was just insane. You know, um, it was all about work, 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 and learning as much as I could. You know, right. So it was basically you had the appetite. I had the appetite and Friday. no distraction and no distraction. Fridays and Saturdays was was at Felidia, and then Sunday through Thursday was at the Ritz Carlton. So it was a very busy. So schedule. what year was that? This was pretty much it. Would stayed like that from about oh one to about oh three. Okay. Yeah. Um, I don't know if I have it right or not, and we'll get to it in one way or another. Yeah, but of when was the Ledoux thing? Was that during that or no, after? No, Ledoux came in 05. All right, so yeah. let's just shelve that, and yeah, we'll come back to that. For sure. All right, so we get up to 2003. You're hustling, running. You got this appetite, and talk about shit happens. Right. Let's talk about what happened in uh, 03. So three was, you know, was turning out to be a, a pretty good vintage for me, right? Right. <laughs> um, I had gotten married at that time to my first wife, and that was in July of '03. And you know, of course, I was I was quite young when I got married. I was 25 years old. Too young. Um, quite young in this day of age. And uh, in October 27th of 2003, on my way back from the Ritz Carlton Hotel, driving back home on the West Side Highway, because I lived at the Bronx at the time, I was in a car accident that uh, was quite severe enough that it left me paralyzed from the waist down, um, spinal cord injured. So you're, everything you explained was seven days a week hustle. That's right. Now you're literally on your ass. Right. And I know yeah. you're not a guy that's you know gonna give in, so you pick yourself up 
I, I assume you go through a period of mm-hmm. reflection, depression, of and all that. Then at some point, I don't know how soon after, I got to get this going. When when was that? What was that? And what'd you do? You know, because you surgeries, physical yes, therapy, you know, oh, all that. years, months. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Um, I mean, honestly, the moment that I hit rehabilitation after my surgery. I remember talking to the physical therapist and the occupational therapist, and I'm like, I want to go back on the floor working as a sommelier. None of them knew what that meant. And I was like, well, a wine waiter. And they're right. like, well, no, no one does that. That's impossible. Like, you know, and I'm, well, we, we've got to figure it out. No one in your position. Right. Not, right. they just, they couldn't conceive yeah, of it. How, I mean, do, how I, are you going to do that? And I couldn't conceive of it, but I wanted to figure it out. Um, okay. You know, but it, it took a long time. It was, so it you, was definitely you, challenging. So you decide you're going to do it. Yes. You're back out on the street. You're looking for jobs. Yeah. I mean, though, I could not. I mean, here I am. I started working at 14 and all of a sudden, three seconds of my life now. You mean to tell me now all of a sudden you're going to tell me now I have to go into, you know, work behind a desk, go into finance, which I had no desire, never had a passion for. So I, I refused to fall into that trap. I just thought it was impossible. And I did everything I could. I, I tried to do research. I was hoping, you know, I did Google searches, wheelchair sommelier, why not? You know, all of this stuff. And blank. Blank, blank. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and nothing really happened. And, you know, I, there were other stories that I found inspirational. But I knew it was going to be a very long and arduous uh, journey, for sure. And for any moment, did you think you had the strength to move forward? but not in that field, or you said... I I mean, you said you didn't want a desk job, but that right. doesn't mean you couldn't do something else. Right, right. Did you back away from the SOM thing, or you're doing this? I thought, yeah, I said, I'm, I'm going to be... I, my goal was to be in hospitality first, and then with wine. So somehow or somewhere, I'm going to figure this out. But I needed to be around people. I'm a people person. Right. I love being around people, and I love learning about them. I'm a very curious person. So this concept of just like, okay, we'll hire you at this hotel, but you're going to work you know, as a purchaser. No, like not, not happening. And, and the more I, they said no to me, the more it pissed me off, the more I wanted it. All right. So you have the desire. You persist. It's a tough putt. You know, you're rolling in on a wheelchair and you want to be in hospitality. I know people are looking at you sideways. What happens? Where and when are the breakthroughs? So, you know, in uh, 05, the summer of 05, I got very sick. I got what they call a pressure sore, which is common when you have spinal cord because I don't feel my, my, my legs and, you know, my buttocks. So I developed this really bad ulcer that was not healing, and I got I was in and out of the hospital. Finally, I, I met this doctor, Dr. Steary, who saved my life. He said, we've got to close this up, do major plastic surgery, or you're just not going to make it. That was a big setback. It's a huge- What, what t- time period are we? Is that months? Oh, months. Yeah. I mean, I was probably laying on my stomach to try to heal it naturally Weak. from about April. Wow. And then- August came around, nothing was happening. Wow. Then I got I got surgery and I was in bed in surgery for about four or five weeks. Wow. And then finally I just kinda I was emotionally exhausted. I was physically exhausted, but mostly emotionally exhausted. And I said, Well, I've gotta like really take it easy. And I remember Dr. Steer, he came on his day off with his kids to visit me at the hospital. And that meant a lot. Talk about great hospitality. And he said, Yannick, I'm a little concerned. Are, what are you trying to prove? He said, you know, you have to adapt to what's around you, but you have to make what's around you adapt to you as well. And I said, that's a good point. And I, at that point, that resonated, and I decided, like, you know what? When I come out of this hospital bed, I'm going to take it easy. I'm going to reflect and not be such a, a bull in a china shop, you know? And that's what I did. 
And actually, the, the, the same day that I got admitted to the hospital to get surgery on my leg, I get a phone call from Jean-Luc Ledoux. And I mean, I saw this random phone and I didn't want to pick it up. I'm depressed. I'm down in the dumps. I listened to the voicemail and it's Jean-Luc calling me up to like see if I'd be... Did you know him before that? Yeah, because he's from the same village as my dad. Okay, so there was yeah, a connection. Oh, there was a connection. Absolutely. And you know, he was one of the few sommeliers even in the 90s, you know, right. from Danielle. Right. So, I mean, he was someone to, that we all looked up to, I think. Right. You know, it was Danielle. A great, yeah, Danielle, exactly. And so I listened to the voicemail. I'm like, of course, here's my luck. This guy's trying to offer me a job and I can't even, you know, do anything about it. So I actually waited a, maybe two months. Um, I left the hospital at the end of September. And then finally I took the courage and I said, I'm just going to hop into a uh, stop by the, the store down in the West Village on 600 Washington Street. And I rolled up in there. And there he was, and he was like, "Hey, man, what's going on?" I, I thought, you know, I, I was worried. I thought maybe you might be, you might have been mad at me. I don't know. And uh, we had this delicious bottle of Jean Louis Chab, Hermitage Blanc. We shared it together. And unfortunately, at that time, he had hired people already. He had his full staff. And I said, Jean Luc, you know what, man? I need to go backwards in order to go forwards. I said, Do you mind if I just come in and do a stage, like almost an intern, and just kind of work for you for free? And he's like, are you serious? Like, that's insane. I was like, yeah, I just need to build my work stamina and I need to build on my confidence. Train. And then, yeah, exactly. And and that's what I did. I did it for a little while. And then finally it all worked out. It progressed. And I started working there full time for a while. So he, let's talk about him for a minute. Yeah. He is somebody that was very kind and influential. Absolutely. And, and at the right time. Absolutely. Said and did the right thing. Yeah. Um, so let's talk, like I said, let's talk about him. He passed away recently, he suddenly did. at yep. a pretty young age. Yep. Um, and you'd work with him, what, six, seven years? Ah, uh, uh, 13 years almost. 13 years? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so at a, like I said, at a time when you needed him. Yeah, for sure. And from beginning to end, he was, you know, there for you. Absolutely. Always there. Very generous, very kind, you know, um, and he was... He's, one of the most interesting uh, individuals you'll ever meet, yeah. you know, for sure. It was just a great man. I, I'm sure it was a shock when you... Oh, it was a terrible shock. Yeah. Uh, it was absolutely shocking. All right. So you had the good fortune to know, meet, work, hang, and stay with him. Mm -hmm. um, but then things get better, right? I mean... For sure. Um, you know, I, I did go back to school. I, I you know, got my, finished off my, my you know, college because I had a little break with that, but finished that. You got a degree? I got a degree, yeah. Okay. <laughs> I did get a degree. All right. And um, Parents you know, must be so proud. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I got, you know, I was doing a, a, a bunch of competitions, a bunch of competitions, finished second, best sommelier. Um, Aldo Sam beat me, you know. Um, best sommelier in America. Best sommelier in America. I think you came in second, you came in Third. third that's correct yeah you know that's that's pretty rocking stuff yeah no no you know, was... nobody remembers second place people but <laughs> in the wine world yeah <laughs> you know it's so difficult yeah. that if you're right up there i mean you know no, your your stuff no for sure it was it was great most mostly for myself just for my confidence to make me feel that i had finally done it i was there and uh you know i i owe a lot that uh, to jean-luc for that you know he helped me train he he supported me he gave me the time that i would need um, because you so need at that point you were fully in. I was fully in your yeah. wine knowledge, your commitment. Yeah, absolutely. Because sure. you have you've gone after the master sommelier. <laughs> I mean, it's been documented in many yeah, different for ways. For sure, of course. Uncork the Esquire yeah. TV series and all right. of that. Where are you at with that? So in fifteen, I believe was the last time I took it, and you know I just had theory left. But to be quite honest with you, you know 
prior to like the other the, two. Let's tell people. Oh, sorry. Yes. There's service yes. theory yes. and blind tasting. That's correct. Yes. And you have to pass all three. You have to pass all three within a three year time clock. And yeah. if you don't, you have to reset. You have to and reset. you've been through a little of all. Of yes, that. exactly. So where are you today? So, like I said, I, I was supposed to pass theory, um, and I did not. Um, and I just said I got to take a break. And I was burnt out, you know, for years and years of studying, co- competing. And that, I remember just looking back and reflecting that year, I really wasn't studying all that much. I right. didn't have the discipline. I you're was like, either doing it yeah. or you're not getting by by not going 100%. Absolutely not. And I think I was just, I had just had too many other interests. I had other things that I was doing, other endeavors. And, uh, you know, of course I have the itch and I miss it. I miss the structure and I miss the people and all that. And sometimes I'm like, do I do it again? I mean, if I were to do it again, it has to be like not 100%, but 125%. So you're on hold now? I'm on hold. <laughs> Haven't ruled it out, but you're not ruling yeah. it in right now. Been yeah, there, sure. done that. Yeah, yeah. And it was great. I mean, you ever hear of Raj Parr? Of course. Patrick oh, Capiello. Yeah, I mean, they're pretty good wine guys. Yeah, they don't yeah. have MSs. You know? <laughs> no, there's a bunch of them. Don't for worry sure. about it. Yeah, no, no. And I, I, I really don't lose any sleep. You right. know, uh, I, I don't. But, but it's a great, it's a great, great thing to have. I think a, a good way for the audience to understand what we're talking about. Esquire did a series in 2015. Right. I think it's either on Netflix or Amazon. On Amazon, yeah. It's on so. Amazon. It's called Uncorked, and they followed, I don't know, about a half a dozen sommeliers right. um, from New York going after the test, and Yannick was part of it. And you don't understand how rigid... And hard. It's probably one of the hardest tests of anything. Yeah, you know, below medical school. I, I think what makes it very complicated and very difficult is that you're in a certain stage of your life where you're working full time, and you've got all these other projects too. It's not like when you're it's a crazy. kid in college or going for your, you know, whatever your master's degree, you may not be working full time. But th- in this case, you're working late nights. You, most of them are. So it's a. That's what. Those are the real challenges of it's cra- it. All. It's the craziest job. It's basically retail, retail hours. And exactly. Then you got to study every waking exactly. hour. Exactly. And the extent of it. Exactly. Um, all right. So this is kind of an interesting segue. So now you eventually take a job on the floor. Right. So I had pretty much, you know, I was working maybe, no, six years at Ledoux's, but I never really gave up hope. I mean, even while I was at Ledoux's the first few years, um, I had still kept my ears and eyes open. And of course, you, it has to be the right place physically. You know, you have to be able to maneuver in a wheelchair in a restaurant. Right. And in New York City, it's you very- You couldn't work at Estella. No. Oh, gosh, With no. those steps and those First little With things. the steps. Yeah, yeah, no, it's not going right. to happen. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I mean, realistically, it would have to be like some big, grandiose uh, restaurant where the tables are sp- spread apart, you know. And even that's even complicated, you know, and I realized that. But I had built this really great tray with this this uh, great guy, uh, Jean-Paul Violet, that I was using for uh, service and competitions. And I feel, felt so like— So talk about that a little. Uh, you're in a wheelchair. You're prone to the same service as any other song. Right, exactly. Uh, decanters, glasses. Exactly, the whole thing. Uh, you, you know, so you get this idea that, you know, this functional tray. How do you find Violet? So Jean-Paul Violet was a uh, good customer at Ledoux's. And then I realized that he was this, like, Designer. incredible— Carpenter, right here on on uh, in Williamsburg, he's located. And I said, "Hey, do you mind helping me out with this tray?" And he got all excited. And he was like, "And he did it for free. Then never asked. Just he said, don't forget about me with bottles of wine.' I said, of course, you know. But the most beautiful, most incredible tray that changed my life. I mean, and I I, I still use that tray for work where I work at the it's university. It's got the slots for the it's bottoms the, of the glasses exactly. so they don't move. Exactly. It's got cutouts for exactly. the decanters. Exactly. And, and you could move around exactly. safely and all. Of oh that yeah, stuff. absolutely. Um, I didn't notice in Uncork 
but on the service thing, did you use that? Yes, that? they might have edited it, but yeah, I, yeah. I was using it. Yeah, well, they didn't sure. show everything. No, anyway. of course not. Yeah. No. So you get this tray. Now you got things settled in. You're looking for a big grand place that could kind of fit into your scheme. I was hoping, you know, I, but I, I was happy at Ledoux's. You know, Wait, things were. You were hoping for. I was hoping for that situation to arise. And Jean-Luc knew it. He always, like, sometimes we, you know, it's, you know, we talk and we get shit-faced. And he's like, I know you still have it in you. You still want to work the floor. And, you know, it's it's unfinished business within you. <clears throat> and I said, no, you're right. And so finally, this email comes across, you know, a friend of mine. He's like, uh, they're looking at the university club. And I'm like, what's this? And I'm like, oh, the university club. I know that place. It smells like chlorine every time you walk by. Right. Is that the 54th the That's right. So you know about <laughs> that. massive building. Yeah, exactly. It's a massive building, right? I mean, one of the nicest places. Yeah. It's like an oasis. Yeah, it is. It's some, It's some. Yeah, it's incredible. From another time. It's another time. Exactly. And I'm like, ah, what's this private club stuff? I wasn't really sure. He's like, just try. So I emailed. And the general manager, um, Mr. Dorman, he recognized me because he happened to be one of the judges at one of my competitions. So, Good you know, I, I created my own luck, right? Was that but, one of the ones where you placed? Um, I'm not sure, but Doesn't I was, matter. he was there. But the I'm, he was there, and I remember being at the, the competition was at the UC. So anyway, he just, he recalled, and he, and I remember we interviewed, and really just one of the, I mean, it wasn't even an interview. He was like, well, how much do you like to be around people? And I, and I told him, he was like, well, listen. And I just told him, I said, well, there's certain things I can and cannot do physically. He's like, the most important thing is that you treat the guests right. That's it. And I was like, oh, and took the job, and uh, it's been five years later, or almost six, I think. And that's Midtown, and it is a big, grand place. It, it is. It kind of helps. The scheme kind of oh, helps you a little. Oh, absolutely. Because it's... Absolutely. And it's a private club, right? It is a private club, But yep. you got some ballers in there, right? Yeah, yeah I some... Mean, members and some all really incredible wine lovers. We have an incredible wine cellar. So... Um, do the guests keep stuff there? Do you stock it like a restaurant? You stock it like a restaurant, but you, I mean the prices are insane because that's the benefit of being a member there. And we have a huge insane cell- good, insane great. Yeah, because they're playing to the membership, the, not it, trying to make a killing. You got it correct. And so we have a lot of wines that we were able to store and not bring up for a couple of years, and we don't mark them up for anything really. And it's a, that's one of the perks. It's a really special place, actually. Yeah, it is. Is it? Typical because of the type of place that it's a big Burgundy Bordeaux place, or they're drinking everything. It's definitely the classics. They're getting better and better. Um, I definitely see an increase, uh, certainly with like uh, the Iberian Peninsula, with like Spain for sure. But definitely the classics. Napa is definitely a big player too. With Bordeaux, Burgundy, Piedmont, Colts, and the trophies. Yes, exactly. Um, So that's been five years, and. You're working dinners, lunches. When you I'm there, there, pretty much dinners. You know, um, yeah. I get there about you know three, four o'clock. You know, it depends, and then I'm there till uh, till night. It's not too late, fortunately. You know, it's great. It's uh, a no, great I'm very, setup. I'm very lucky. I'm very, yeah. very lucky. Very fortunate. All right, so you had mentioned uh, Spain, Ibiza. I want to talk to you about something you did just this year. Um, you did a decent amount of traveling. Yeah. I, you know, I follow you on Instagram and we'll tell everyone <laughs> later on where they could follow you. Sure. Um, you were in Spain, Ribera, and earlier, mm-hmm. I think you went to France. Yeah. So I've been, the last few years, I've been really traveling in depth to a lot of regions for sure. And then, Why? Just for you to taste, to yeah, talk I mean, and touch the I, soil, the I, people? You know, I think that, you know, I was so obsessed with studying 
um, before and I just didn't have the time and you know and then you're you're buying all these wines and you're you're investing it's a big investment when you're studying for your MS in these competitions. I don't think I ever really took that I mean I was traveling but not as in depth that I've been doing these last few years and I'm like no 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 this is not correct. If you're going to be if you're going to call yourself a somo if you're going to call yourself an expert like you need to know what it looks like what it feels like what it smells like these places. And so I just kind of like I, I changed my philosophy a little bit. And this happened about four or five years ago. But let's talk this year. What's fresh in your mind? And what early this year you were in France, or was that the end of last year? So last summer of 2017 in August, I was in both Germany and Austria. Okay. And both incredible. Both Rieslings, Gruners. Oh, absolutely. Just, I mean, obviously, uh, the Mosul, it was the first time that I had been there, and it was just everything you lived would have imagined. Lived up to the hype. Oh, it lived up to the hype. Because you know the way Psalms love Riesling. Yeah, I know. Oh, yeah, it's all about the Riesling. <laughs> yeah. It's Riesling or nothing. And, right. Yeah, but it was a very special place. And, and the other regions, I mean, Rheingau was quite beautiful, the Naha, the Faults, and all that. So a really in-depth study of Germany that I just thought that was absolutely Beat fascinating. Beat the winemakers, drink the, the wines, current vintages, all absolutely. that old stuff. All that good stuff, yeah. All right, so then early this year, you go to France? I go to France. But before that, you know, Austria, I mean, just want to say something incredible. The Wachau, the Kremstal, the Kamtal, incredible. I mean, really small regions, but just Great beautiful. Wines. And the winemakers are so precise. But in January of uh, 2018, um, went to Chablis again. Um, love, love Chablis. I think it's probably my favorite place that I love to go to. I love the wines. and I It's love, a favorite wine. It's yeah, just a I, great, versatile I just love it. I yeah. just love everything about it. Um, I love the precision of it, but it's a very special place. But actually, give me one or two makers that you love. More not fancy restaurant. I but mean, available, you know, in stores that are. Good. Yeah, for sure. Um, I think I'll give you like uh, two of them right now. I get definitely uh, Christian Moreau, who's a M O R E A U. That's right. I think his wines are, are stunning. His Christian Moreau Chablis. That's right. And you can just find that for straight village level, n- not break the bank. I think he does a really great give job. Me another one, Louis Michel. I think Domain Louis Michel. M I C H E L. Yep, that's okay. correct. And th- he does a great job. I mean, okay. uh, I think as far as value and quality, it's Darren Chablis. I mean, I of agree. course, you have the Premier Cru and the Grand Cruz, which can be quite expensive. We all right. know that, but. I mean, I always enjoy a nice just glass of Chablis, straight Chablis. It's it's wonderful. And then it's a good call. Yeah. Um, so you were in Chablis anywhere else in France? Well, I was in Champagne. I did a visit with uh, both Tatanger, but also with uh, Bereche, with uh, Raphael, which was uh, just those champagnes are just wonderful and just delicious. Are you are your habits towards champagne? Has the game upped, or you've always been that way? Because champagne uh, has become a big favorite on this course. show. More yes. restaurants are showing more oh, skews. Yes. Of course, you know, pairing it with everything. Um, have you seen that? Oh, I mean, I've seen it um, culturally here in New yeah. York. I mean, yeah, I mean, I mean, talk about Riesling. I mean, the cha- I mean, every psalm will tell you it's all about champagne. I, I love champagne. I'm not maybe not. Enthusiastic as I, I right. appreciate. I mean, there were some but, cheerleaders. Yeah, yeah. But it, it's you but went to champagne. Oh yeah, no. I yeah. mean, I, I love what they're it, doing it's right a now. Great wine. Especially these small grower champagnes, unbelievable. All right, so finish France. You did champagne. You did Chablis, and, and then and I was in the Loire Valley, um, which was absolutely um, special. I mean, I, this was my second time. Shannon, Shannon, Shannon. Yeah, right. Was yeah, 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 exactly. I mean, she actually she was kind enough to make a couple of uh, appointments for us. You know, with nice. some of her friends. Um, went to go visit a guy named Matthew Baudry in Chinon, which was a great, great. B a u d r y. That's right. He He's makes, one of the. Oh gosh, um, some really special yeah. stuff and good value, right? Absolutely Not expensive. Yeah. And then we went to go visit uh, Domaine Uet with uh, Sarah Wong. Um, that's that like was, the OG, right? That was the OG, and it was just like, and it was a great visit as well. And then, um, you know, even though Claude Rougeard had gotten sold, but I, I went there, and that was, you know, the sellers were spectacular. So 
they sold it. The the owners sold it to who? They sold it. Now it's under the same owners of uh, Chateau Montrose, which is a right, Porto right, winery and right, right. stuff. Yeah. Um, all right. So that's France. You finished with the Loire. Yeah, and then I went down to Cognac. Oh, you did? Yeah, Cognac was great. Actually, that, that actually was. My gosh, it was mind-boggling. I mean, small producers to watch a distillation pro- uh, process. It was I first it. time. First time. I mean, I had seen the distillation process in front of me, but in cognac so first time. It's it's a good trip, cognac. Oh, unbelievable! I think you well, know it's, it's a good vibe down there. Great vibe down there. People are so kind. And then we just drove down to Bordeaux, but we didn't go to any of the uh, uh, the more the bigger appellate or the more well-known uh, right. appellations. We went to s- the smaller appellations, and some great small families that we visited. Small properties. There's a lot of them. And there's a bunch of them. I mean, my there's gosh, it was really great. Yeah. Um, anything you could mention that you know is available here? Small Bordeaux yeah. chateaux. Uh, so I mean, really, I would say look out for appellations like Cadillac or Castillon and Bourg and Bly, but not the Saint Emilion, right. Saint Julien. Yeah, the the off exactly appellations have the good values. I mean, there are two that really stick out to me. Whereas uh, Chateau Pebonome. Um, which, Spell P E Y B O N H O M M E. Okay, and they, they and they make some really fantastic wines. I mean, especially their white, their biodynamic estate. You know, there's more and more happening in Bordeaux for those that are into that. And then also Chateau Biac B I A C, which is owned Biac. by a Lebanese family, and they're doing cool. a tremendous job too. Unbelievable. I'm going to post all these on our social oh, media. Oh sure, okay. I ask you because yeah, of course, of course. You know your recommendations. You know are as good as anything. Of course. All right. So then you take a trip recently. Yeah, you yeah. go to Spain. Yeah. Let's buzz through that because I just want to tell you a few things. We're going to take a break after that. Sure. When we come back, I want to talk about wheeling forward and wine Cooking. on wheels. Sure. I want to subject you to our wine list. I want you to answer a few questions. Okay. Then we're going to taste a little wine, which I think you'll get a kick out of. Okay. And then we're out of here. All right. <laughs> All right. Um, so tell me about the Spain trip. Tell me where you went. Uh, stayed a couple of days in Rias Baixas, uh, which was absolutely splendid. B-A-I-X-I-A-S. B-A-I-X-A-S. A-S. Rio Baixas. Rias. Rias. Which and, is a region. Right, right. Making some happen in wine. Some delicious Albarino right on the coast of, of uh, on the Atlantic. Albarino white grape. Yeah. Crisp, delicious white Crisp, wine. Crisp, delicious. If you like Shibley like me, you're going to like Albarino. Okay. Um, fantastic estates that we visited up and down um, the coast. Absolutely lovely, beautiful place. So if you can check it out, if you're a Psalm or someone in the business or not, go there. Delicious seafood. Then we drove through Riviera Sacra, which was a w- region now. Oh my gosh. And how climate. beautiful. Yeah. How gorgeous was Riviera Sacra? Blew me away. Physically, oh, I mean, physically. aesthetically, it's Aesthet- gorgeous. Unbelievable. One of the most prettiest places. Uh, yeah, I was really? there with my, with my friend uh, Trish, and we were just like, what? what is this? Where, where is this coming from? And we are just both blown away by it. Just tasted absolute, some good wines there. Tasted some great wines down there, and then we went over to. Uh, of course, we ended up in uh, Bierzo. Um, right. We tasted with Raúl Pérez, who is the king of Mencia and Bierzo, and that was such a great. Mencia is the grape. Mencia is the right. grape. Yeah, and Bierzo, B I E R Z O. Yeah, is yep. the winemaker. It's a wine. It's a wine region, and we went to go visit Raúl Pérez. Right. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I got it. Yeah. Now, just answer this for me before we break. Yeah. Um, you know, everyone knows your story now. You're wheeling around. Yeah. I mean, you're doing some decent traveling on and off planes, in and out of cars. Right. I got to assume that, you know, some of these cellars and places are <laughs> some pretty weird setups. Yeah. I know nothing's going to stop you, but you just roll through everything, right? 
You figure it out. I think that's that's how it is in life. Do you plan ahead certain places you can't go, or you figure it out when you get there? Sometimes it's just too impossible. So the winemaker he'll bring out some samples and we'll taste so outside, just, right? And we just make it happen. Or sometimes I've been picked up by a forklift to get in, um, but fortunately most of them are, are you know pretty much there's always a ramp because they've got barrels they've got to right. bring up. But there have been so some where it, it worked out pretty yeah, well. Yeah, for which sure, is pretty nice. Um, so you finished in beer so. In uh, Spain? No, then we went to Rioja, which was quite okay. incredible. Yeah, it was uh, just an, a great visit. Where are we in Rioja? So we went to go visit La Rio Alta, um, right. uh, Lopez de Heredia, which Legendary. was... Oh, yeah. Venus Artadi, which was um, fantastic. I'm trying to think of Bodega Smuga, which was also a cool visit. All the good guys. Vina Real. Um, I think there's probably one more that I'm leaving out, but uh, Lopez Zorheria was definitely like an incredible visit. Yeah. Very special place. What is it? Vina Tona. Yeah, Vina Todonia. Yeah. Todonia. Yeah, it's a really cool it's a place. a funky wine. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, so you got to taste everything that uh, oh, you yeah. set out to taste. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, all right. So that was the Spain trip. Did we, after Rioja, you were done? Went down to Madrid and called it a day. Yeah. <laughs> that was enough. And I had to go had back enough. to my wife, you know? <laughs> All right, Yannick, we're going to take a break. Um, when we come back, I want to talk about something that is very important and near and dear to you, and that's an organization called Wheeling Forward, and they have a big event coming up. Thank you. I want you to uh, answer our wine list, and then we'll crack a bottle. Cool. So we're talking to Yannick Benjamin, sommelier, and you're listening to The Grape Nation. We'll be right back. Today's program was brought to you by Wisconsin Cheese. What do you think of when you hear Wisconsin Cheese? For me, I think cheese curds. Delicious, fresh and squeaky cheese curds. Or deep fried cheese curds. Cheese curds literally any way, any time, any place. I think about Andy Hatch and Upland's Cheese, the farmstead cheese company behind Pleasant Ridge Reserve. I think of delicious, stinky Limburger and its long storied history. I think of Dunbarton Blue, made by master cheesemaker Chris Raleigh. I think of Ross Grand Cru Searchois, which was named 2016's World Championship Cheese, and Satori's Black Pepper Bella Vitano, the 2017 U.S. Championship Cheese. Wisconsin produces the world's best cheese with lush grasslands and a glacial water supply that produce the very best milk. Fourth-generation cheesemakers combine old-world tradition with new ideas and the highest standards to make innovative cheeses that win more awards than any other state or country. To learn more, visit wisconsincheese.com. All right, we're back. We're back with my guest, Yannick Benjamin. And Yannick, I want to talk to you now about an organization that you co-founded with a friend of yours. It's called Wheeling Forward. So yes. what I want you to tell me is why it started, when it started, and what you're doing. Yeah, for uh, the reason why, I mean, first off, it was it was co-founded, who is the president of Wheeling Forward, Alex Elagudin. We were both in two separate car accidents, and we were roommates um, during our time in rehabilitation. One thing that we noticed is we had all this, we had family, we had friends, everyone's coming to visit us. And in all these other rooms, our roommates, or the people on the floor, I should say, 
they no one was visiting them and we just were like this is terrible sad. Like, it's sad it's it's awful you know and and we both kind of felt guilty about this and we didn't have the same anxieties as they did we knew that we were going to go back home because we had the financial means to make the home modifications that were needed to to, to go back home and some of these individuals were going back to nursing homes and we were just like oh my gosh like this is awful i mean and i i even at that time i didn't know much about nursing homes until i mean i know a heck of a lot about them now and they're awful i mean they're you're there, you go brain dead, you become right. full dependent. It's awful. It's not. And so we noticed that there was really, there wasn't an organization that was out there that was there to help people. And I was just like, what about like creating a nonprofit that's hospitality driven where, you know, these people are getting the word no thrown at them all the time. You can't, you won't, you know, no, we can't get this for you. How about we do the opposite? And that's how Wheeling Ford came about. Alex went back to school, became a lawyer. He started to become an advocate. And then we just kind of came together with this world of wine and food and hospitality that I had and his passion for advocacy. And we combined the two. So you had the mission. We had the mission. It was kind of organic because you experienced 100%. it firsthand. Absolutely. So now you know what you want to do. How do you fund it? Right. So uh, I uh, asked Jean-Luc, you know, uh, I was uh, in January of 2012. I was like, listen, we just became a 501c3. I think I told you about this. Do you mind if we use your store? And we shut it down. And he was like, of course. So he lost a whole day of business. Great That's how yeah, unbelievable. And we made, we thought we were going to make five, six grand. We were just being very modest. Instead, we made almost 30,000 30, on our first What funders. was it? A walk around tasting? Yeah, it was a walk around tasting. Event? Yeah. And we, I asked a good you amount made of that much. Yeah. We had Holy about 20 different Psalms, Risto from Alta Marea, Joe Campanelli, who's at Fausto. You know, just the nicest people, and they were like, "Yeah, we're going to support it." And all the distributors and importers donated a good amount of wine, and that's how it all became. So that was the first event. You knew you were on to something, right? You continued to do events, right? You know, every year, every year, and you started donating, funding, right? Uh, people through the organization, exactly. And then you started a really big fundraiser called wine on wheels would you say the ledoux thing was like the early wine oh, on wheels that was the oh yeah this it is was, our, that was the first that one was, oh yeah absolutely so the sure. one that's coming up which we'll promo in two seconds yes which is a big grand thing the yes. first ledoux was i mean the first wheeling forward was really the ledoux one that's right this will, this will was be that seven se that's seven years ago right seven years ago right all right, so let's talk about Wine on Wheels. Wine on Wheels was that first little uh, fundraiser yeah. <laughs> in a beautiful little uh, wine store in the West Village. That's correct. Now Wine on Wheels is a fundraiser, and take it from there. Yeah, uh, we have over 250 wines um, from all around the world, poured by 75 of us, uh, New York City's best sommeliers, you know, nicest people. They're all there. They're all enthusiastic. We have about 40 to 50 different auction lots. Uh, we have a, a premium wine room that's sponsored by the Grape Brokers, where it's uh, 15 different wines, you know, older vintages and all that kind of stuff. We have a champagne room. So it's just one big... All right, so <laughs> this is... This takes place at City Winery. It takes place at City Winery. Downtown. Downtown. It's coming up soon, which is one of the other great things. Saturday, April on. 28th. Saturday, April 28th. Yes. And the way to get in is you buy a ticket, right? Buy a ticket. Go to wineonwheels.org. .org. And make sure, because Sam's a good friend of mine, use a discount code WOW2018. WOW2018. Okay. And you'll get a nice, generous discount. So you're supporting a great cause. You're going to meet. 
the rock star best list of sommeliers yes, in New York. You're correct. gonna have access to wines. Yes. The auction lots. You could probably walk away with some good wines at some decent things or overpay, which is fine. Yeah, it's fine. You know. Yeah, yeah, but you'll find some and good help value. raise money. And that's an important part of the hundred uh, percent um, the uh, charity is getting money from the silent auction exactly. and all of that. Um, and you're there the whole I'm time. There, I'm there the whole time, screaming, losing my head. <laughs> right. Now just go back to one thing for me. The um, What's that premium wine room you were talking about? Yeah, the, the 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 Grape Brokers premium wine room. Yeah, it's uh, is, you pay extra for that. You pay extra, yeah. Unfortunately, don't, don't be bashful uh, about you know paying. Is there an early entrance VIP? There fee? is. There is. We actually have a we have a morning seminar with Pascaline Le Peltier. Okay, and it's uh her passion to Loire Valley, which is going to be a special seminar. Right. And so if you want to pay extra to go to that seminar, plus you can stay throughout the duration of the tasting. To, it goes from the actual tasting starts from twelve to four, but the seminar with Pascaline starts at eleven. Right. The VIP hour goes from 12 to 1. Then there's a general admission, which is 1 to 4. Right. Nothing you said is confusing, but there's a lot of details. So yes. wineonwheels.org. Wineonwheels.org. It's really one of those events where you're around great wine people, great yes. wines, a great cause. Yes. And beyond kind of the walk around tasting... You know, look, Pascaline is one of the great names in yes. wine, New York's wine. Wonderful. She's running a class. So, you, you know, go to the site. If you're around, um, try to make it there. It's uh, the type of event that you want to be at. Certainly if you're in New York, um, I would drive up if you're from Philly or drive down from yes. Boston or whatever. Yes. So that's uh, Wine on Wheels. That's taking place April 28th. Yep. City Winery. Yep. What were the hours again? From uh, 12 to 4, basically, and 11 to 12 for the seminar with Pascal and Le Peltier. Okay. Um, and I will post all that information. Ah, thank you. And before we go off the air, we will um, you know, give you some final information on that. All right. I want to subject you to our wine list, but um, I just wanted to ask you one more thing before we got to it. Mm-hmm. Um, I think you portrayed yourself as a guy who hustles, who doesn't stay down, you know, who does everything. <laughs> one of the things that you've done in New York, Chicago, and Boston is you've done marathons. Right. How many have you done? Oh, now over, well over uh, 12 now. Is it 12? Yeah, yeah I thought sure. it was eight. Boy, well, eight, that's New York City, but then with Chicago, okay. and then with so Boston, some other, ran, some other random stuff, yeah, for sure. So you hit the road in Chicago and Boston? I yeah, mean, you're, yeah, you're yeah, out yeah. there. Yeah. All right, so uh, for the up, are you going to run it this year? Uh, we'll see. I mean, I do it now just to raise money. Right. Um, so I you do almost have to. Yeah, but maybe to, yeah. It's almost like it's, the it's SOM test. It's tough. It's like, let me take a break here. Yeah, I, I, I wouldn't mind taking a break this year. Yeah. yeah. Tell you the truth. Listen, whatever you do, I support. <laughs> All right. So we'll, if, I'll let you know if Yannick's going to be uh, coming in <laughs> All right, Yannick, before I let you go, I want to do two things. I want you to uh, answer our wine list, and I want you to taste this wine that I brought in and tell sure. me a little about it. Okay. All right. So here's the wine list. What are you drinking now? What are you tasting, trying, seasonal? Yeah. I, I mean, you were drinking Riberas and all yeah. that. Is there anything Chablis? What else? <laughs> I mean, of course, I, I'm, I really love uh, Rhone wines. I'm, I'm, I'm super excited. I mean, I think those wines are absolutely delicious. Of course, Northern Rhone is always a, a favorite of mine. And favorite region, Cornas, St. Joseph? What? I, I would say Cornas, but okay. St. Joseph for some value. Um, my heart is always in Bordeaux. I think this new discovery of these smaller Appalachians, 
Um, definitely so you're got, always drinking that stuff. Yeah, for sure. I, I love that stuff. And you're tasting stuff at the university club. Yeah, like when you're decanting oh, and checking. So you have some exposure and access. Oh yeah, to some absolutely, pretty good stuff. absolutely, absolutely. I'm very lucky. All right, what's Yannick Benjamin's favorite wine and food pairing? Is it Gosh. something Heidi makes? Is it something <laughs> you like? You know, for sure, my mother's roasted chicken. Okay, she makes the best roasted chicken. So she's a pro. She makes. Now, what's the pair with that? Oh, for sure. It has to be burgundy. There's no doubt about it. It has to be a very good... Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Can you can you drill it down for me? I mean, are there regions to, that make more sense? Uh, yeah, for sure. I mean, I'm a big, big fan of like Marcus D'Angerville from Volnay. I'm a big, big fan of his, you know. Um, you know, I think Louis um, Ligère Belair from Von Romany. Oh, my gosh. Unbelievable So wines. those are some good burgundy. Those are some good burgundy. Yeah, for sure. So Yannick's answer is a terrific roast chicken from his mom and a great burgundy. That's it. All right. Good one. But, you, but the wine will never be good if you don't have good company. Well, we know that. <laughs> I mean, that's the most important thing. <laughs> that's, that's the beautiful thing about wine. That's Usually exactly. you're drinking exactly. it in a social situation, exactly. Exactly. which is whether it's family or a party yeah. or at Wine on Wheels, exactly. you know, whatever. All right, um, you get around. Do you have? And I'm not asking you this to leave people out or incriminate you, but you have a favorite wine restaurant or bar? Somebody who does it really well. Selection yeah. service. I think what they're doing at the Modern, to be honest with you, Michael Michael, Engel, Michael Engelman. I think they're. I mean, I was just there for um, drinks uh, for a bottle of wine with a friend and. That wine list that they have is so eclectic. It's so deep. Spectacular. It's spectacular. I mean, I, he's, I, he's a great guy. And he's a great guy. I, I think they're they're crushing it. I, I do think at Racine's, I mean, I very think it's cool. very cool. Pascaline Lapeltier is there. Absolutely. Very creative. I think those are two good choices. I, I don't want to rub it in, but Engelman got the Krug Award. He passed yep. all three things That's true. in one oh, day. I know. <laughs> it's pretty amazing. It, it's amazing. No. This guy's a whiz. Right? Yeah, he is a whiz. He's unbelievable. All right. Do you have a favorite all-time wine or two? Is there something that just continues to resonate with you? You know, I, people ask me this question all the time. The wine that left the biggest impression on me was the first wine that I had when on January 9th, 2004, it was my first day back home. My mom had cooked after being in the hospital for about four or five what months. Was it? it was a Joseph Routy, uh Jeffrey Chambertin, um, and it was the 2000 vintage. And it was fairly young. And But it was like a kid eating a cherry and orange for the first time. The circumstances is as important as the wine. That's exactly right. But that, that's the one that really just So kinda... say it slowly for me. You have a good French pronunciation. Okay. A 2000. Uh, Joseph Roti, R-O-T-Y. O-T-Y. Yeah. Which is a favorite of it's yours. A, yeah, absolutely. And then it was uh, the Gevry Chambertin. The okay. Gevry Chambertin. Gevry Chambertin. Yeah. 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 Okay. So that's that's a good answer as you're going to get. It's a yeah. great wine. It's a great circumstance. It was a great yeah. celebration. All right, you would know this as well as many of my other guests. I want you to recommend the best wine around fifteen bucks or up. I want a red or a white retail. My kid's in his mid late twenties. I always say this. He's going to a party. He's making a few bucks. He either can't spend, doesn't want to spend a ton of money, but he mm. wants to bring some good wines. Give me a wine, a category, yeah. an area. Give me a white first. Uh, for category, I think right now, I think honestly, uh, what they're doing in Rio Special is for Albarino, and it's drinkable. Can't beat those prices. And if you great answer. Further south, Vino Verdes in Portugal, likable, drinkable. Wine. I think they're perfect. Honestly, so Rio Bacios, Albarino, yep. so terrific wine, great with food. Absolutely. Um, and then the. Um, 
Vino Verde, yeah, which yeah, is another. Yeah. Those are great. High answers. quality. And you could find stuff in that price range for Absolutely. sure. Absolutely. No, no issues there. All right, give me, that's a great answer. Give me a red, a good value red. I think, you know, you've got, if you go down in Sicily right now, my gosh, you know, like Terranere, and, um, it's oof, stunning stuff in Mount Etna for like 20 bucks. You're right. So, uh, it's, Sicily is hot now. Uh, it's unbelievable. What's the grape? Norello Mascalese is the grape. So it's right. hard to pronounce for some people. M A S C E L L E S. Yeah, yeah. We'll have to look that up. I'll look it up. They also do Nero Diavolo and they do a bunch of other stuff. But the Norello Mascalese, you know, higher altitude volcanic soil, unbelievable stuff. You got a maker or two for me? I mean, Terranari, right? Terranari, Oh, that's delicious stuff. And then I think also, you know what? And the Cote Rhone, just a simple Cote Rhone appellation. Great. I agree. Grenache, the raw blends. 14, 18, 20 love bucks. It. Great Absolutely stuff. Absolutely love it. All right. Those are good choices. And like I said, we'll post them. All right. Admirable job there. <laughs> All right. We're going to wrap up the show with our weekly wine sip. Every week we taste a different wine on air. For our weekly wine sip this week, we're going to taste. This is a, this is a um, sentimental wine, I think, for... Yannick. It's a 2003 Chateau Gicor Margot from Bordeaux in France. Does this winery have any meaning to you? Oh, it does. Big time. All right. Tell me the story again. This is the place. This is the, the, the first winery that I really visited that left an impression. That when I, you were that, a little kid. Right. And, you know, here's, here's how life goes. It's full circle, right? The owner of this winery a couple of years ago is a Dutch man. He was in a, a, uh, a sailing accident that left him permanently paralyzed no. from the neck down. He's, and they've been very supportive of Wheeling Ford and the work that we do. And so it's just incredible how, I don't know, the, the universe uh, works in funny ways sometimes. I know. So, it is pretty yeah, crazy. Yeah. It's a, Margot is a great appellation. It's a great winery. It's not one of those super expensive ones. No. So this is a 2003. Let's first talk about the vintage. Good yeah. vintage. Not great, so but very good. Yeah, so 03 was one of the warmest vintages ever in uh, in France, period. What does that do to the wine? So you get full-bodied, lots of fruitiness, heavy extraction, you know, a lot of black, dark fruits, especially with Cabernet. But in general for Bordeaux, Pinot Noir didn't do so well in 03, but for a Cabernet Sauvignon, definitely a higher success rate in Bordeaux for 03. Does that heat affect the ageability? I mean, cut it, it down a little? Yeah, or no? I mean, but I think there's still a lot of acidity here. You know, there's a, still that pyrazinic, that green tone to it that's, that keeps the wine fresh. I mean, I'm I'm blown away by how young this wine tastes. You know, All right, so let's, let's evaluate it. So let's go by color first. It's got yeah. a deep, it's pretty purple. It's not even ruby red, no, right? Yeah, it's, it's, so it's held its color and not oh, a little, for little sure. orange on the edge. Yeah, little, not, little, not terrible, no, though. No. So the color's holding up. Let's go nose. Yep. You give me the descriptors. I mean, this to me smells border all the way, like this kind of like... Dark um, fruits. Yeah, dark fruits, this kind of mushroom, a little bit of barnyard note to it, fresh turned earth. I mean, a little bit of this kind of green bell pepper note to it. Tobacco Pretty classic, like, Bordeaux. Very classic. Hey, Vitor, why don't you come in here and grab a uh, <laughs> glass? I got an empty glass for you here. Tell us what you think. All right, so... Um, that's the nose. Yep. The nose is holding up well in your mind? Absolutely. For an 03? Absolutely. Perfectly. All Perfectly. right, let's go mouthfeel, all right? Let's swish it around, throw it over the tongue. Pretty uh, medium plus. Pretty, pretty, you know, unctuous. Very generous. The tannins aren't you know, not overbearing, um, but very supple, very soft, almost kind of velvet-like. Mm. Um, but round coat. Blackberry, cassis, again, macerated fruits, 
very well integrated with the new French oak that they have here. Beautiful. So wine. this was aged in newer French oak. Oh yeah, for sure, absolutely. And what is it? Fifteen years later, the oak is a little more integrated. And very well integrated, absolutely. Right. Yeah, I mean, you you can still taste that smokiness, that vanilla yeah. kind of note to it. But again, it's it's very well integrated with the fruit. With the when you from- taste this bottle of wine. Mm. Is the provenance good on this one? I think it's perfect. I mean, I've had it. I got it at auction. I have a temperature-controlled cellar. Because sometimes you can get a good wine, crappy provenance. So it's the provenance is Provenance is is impeccable. I know you mentioned palate a little, but let's go over that one more time. What are you getting on the mouth? Again, tannins are very generous. They're not rigid. When you say tannins are generous, let's tell people what tannins are. Yeah. That's that tannins are from the skins and the right. seeds and even exactly. some of the stems that give the wine a little of that yeah, yeah, puckerish part. That puckerish part. Dry. It kind of dries your gums out pretty fast, you right. know? Um, it's like almost like when you chewed on a pencil when you're you're in a, cool, a kid right. in school. So if it's, if it's overdone, it's too pucker, too. Right. But these tannins are integrated. Very well integrated. Which very means soft. they're soft and oh, yeah. they're yeah. giving you the right... You and know. The, the, the silkiness of the wine, it's very velvet. Unbelievable. I mean, because Cabernet can be could have a good amount of tannins. It could be a, very, a punch in your face. And this one is very... Uh, it's, very it's absolutely not like that. Now, a good wine that is got some bottle age, the tannins smooth out, right? Absolutely, okay. for sure, yeah. All right, so what else do you get on the palate? Black fruits again, for similar me, to the nose? blackberry, cassis, some red currants for sure. But again, this kind of tobacco, I mean, I, this real kind of fresh turned earth, the shiitake mushroom note to it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I get a lot of, of that uh, little dustiness. Savory. It's definitely savory, yeah. oh, for sure. All right, so what... Yannick, what foods would you pair with this specific wine? For sure. I mean, I think if you're in Bordeaux and this kind of flavor and all that, anything that's kind of game-based dish, you know, like lamb, for sure. No it doubt could about hold up to that, that Venison, squab, anything of that of nature would be very... Or just a simple, like, steak. You know, it's I fine think, with a red bloody steak? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Okay. Oh, yes, all right. I, I think so. <laughs> all right. Um, so, big, bold, gamey... Absolutely. Meat, we, all we mentioned was meats. Yes. So very good with meats and all that. I think with fish would be a little bit challenging with the fish oil and then... Screw the fish. <laughs> all right? We ain't eating no fish with this. All right. So do we like this wine? Do we love this wine? I love it. Yeah. I think okay. It's great. Yeah. It's, it, Thank you. It delivered and didn't disappoint, right? It delivered all the way. Yeah. It was a pleasant surprise. Thank you for sharing. All right. It. So that's a 2003 Chateau Jacor from Margot. From Bordeaux in France. Uh, Sometimes I ask my guests to bring wine, especially if they make it or they have a favorite. A lot of times I bring wine. I had to go down to my cellar and I said, what am I going to bring for Yannick? And then Uh, as I'm doing research, I realized when he was a little kid, he's roaming around (laughs) just chorus. I figured, you know what? I got some of that down in the cellar. Let's do that. All right. So I'll post all that information. on the website. All right, Yannick, we're going to wrap everything up. If you have a question, suggestion, wine happening, or event, hit me up at sam at thegrapenation.com. That's sam at thegrapenation.com. Follow us on Facebook at The Grape Nation. Um, I'm going to post all of Yannick's info. I'm going to post his wine list answers. I'm going to post the wine that we drank. I pressed Yannick to uh, recommend some wines from his travels and from his... uh, likes and all of that so i'll post those 
Um, I'll give you more information on the weekly wine sip. You could also follow us on Instagram, where I'll also post the uh, wine list and other information. We're at SBenRuby, and now you can follow hashtags, so follow hashtag the Grape Nation. And on Twitter, we're at BenRuby. Now, Yannick, where can we find you? And let's break this down into a couple things. Where can we find Yannick Benjamin, the person? Yannick Benjamin, the person, I'm all over the place, but uh, you know, social media, social media at, at Yannick Benjamin, Twitter uh, at Yannick Benjamin and at Yannick Benjamin, Facebook, yeah, Facebook, yeah. And you just can't walk into the university club, no, but if you're there, you know, look for Yannick. Just ask for me. I, I you say know. hello. Yes. Please. Um, and then organization wise, mm-hmm. um, wheeling forward. Yeah, at Wheeling Ford. Um, you could follow them on social. T- Twitter, uh, Facebook, uh, Instagram. There's also at Wine on Wheels. There's at, at Wine on Wheels as well, so you can look, find us over there too as well. Right, and April 28th, which is about, what is that? <laughs> it's right around the corner. Yeah, I mean, it's less than three weeks away. It's right around the corner. What day of the week is that? That's a... Saturday. That's a Saturday, yep. and it's a daytime event. Yeah. April 28th, it's City Winery. Is that on Varick? That's on Varick, yep. On Varick Street, downtown. Yep. Uh, Yannick is doing his seventh annual Wine on Wheels. We talked about it a little, but it's just a great opportunity um, to get in front of some great wines and a great cause. And, you know, with all the auctions and everything, maybe you could walk away with something. All right, so I want to thank our guest, Yannick Benjamin, uh, for coming in, making the trek to Bushwick, Brooklyn. (laughs) Um, I want to thank our engineer, Vitor, and I want to thank everyone at the Heritage Radio Network. I'm Sam Ben Ruby, and you've been listening to The Grape Nation. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. For our freshest content and to hear about exclusive events, subscribe to our newsletter. Enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. Want to be a part of the food world's most innovative community? Rate the shows you like, tell your friends, and please join our community by becoming a member. Just click on the beating heart at the top right of our homepage. Thanks for listening.